1: Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without autopay. Plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. See dot Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close.
3: Big night of hockey ahead in the Flower City, Rochester hosting Hershey for Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final, and there are still tickets available. So our goal is to sell as many tickets as humanly possible during the course of the next hour. So we brought in the master marketer, Mike Weber, assistant coach from the (laughs) squad, to get people fired up for this one. Webby, how are you?
4: I'm great, Duffer. How are you doing? Amazing. Uh,
3: Amazing that uh, your team has come this far um, based on the age of many and the inexperience of many, what uh, would you say is the hallmark of your group heading into this uh, again, must win tonight?
4: Oh, uh, they have a great love for each other. I mean, uh, what we have built over the last uh, three years and, and, you know, obviously specifically the last two years, it's, it's pretty incredible that obviously the guys that have been here and the guys that have continued this on, they're just the love they have for each other. They love competing together, playing for each other. Um, and then, you know, having the mindset we talked about the other night of whatever it, whatever it takes, you know, they, they've uh, really embraced that um, and come over, come through a, a lot of different adversity throughout the season and and in, even in the playoffs here. And it's, it's a really special group. And um, again, the way they've attacked adjustments throughout the playoffs uh, from, from us, um, you know, obviously now being in this series, it's more of an NHL series where it's every other day with the boss and the travel and, and uh, for them to, you know, have basically taken in that adjustment uh, stuff, you know, just on video, haven't even been able to go and practice it, and they, they're completely dialed in and bought in, and it's a, it's a really special group. It's a fun group to coach, and uh, we're still coaching in June, so this is this is fun.
5: Now, when you were playing, you were a defenseman, and you probably had to deal with at times playing with five D, seven D, six defensemen. Now, as a coach, you're at that end of the bench, and last game you guys dressed eleven forward, seven defensemen. How do you take in your experience as a defenseman, as a player? when you rotate seven D and knowing that you can't lose one or two guys because you got to keep everybody involved.
4: Yeah. So, I mean, just, I think we've done it a lot. So I've had a lot of experience with it uh, with, with apps. Uh, He he likes to do it a lot. Uh, It frees up. Obviously over the last couple of years, we've had some extremely skilled forwards uh, where it gets them extra ice time and kind of messes up with matchups and things like that. It gets them more involved in the game. And then, for me on the, on the back end, when I'm running it, like, uh, you know, I know the feeling if you're the, if you're the seven guy in there and you you haven't, uh, you're not getting a regular shift, you know? So for me, I, I, I like to get those guys involved right away, try to get them spot them in shifts, whether it's on different sorts of face-offs or maybe get them one on the fly. But again, our our group is uh, again, it has been impressive, especially in the playoffs because we've done it a lot, 11 and seven. Our, you know, our D group is, is really special in the aspect of whatever it takes and, and whoever's going and they have that understanding and that they're always ready and, you know, especially on the road when you can't get the matchups, I might have, you know, three guys ready or four guys ready on the bench, and then I'm yelling a name last minute to to try to get what we want. And, uh, you know, they, they've been really dialed in. Seemed like you used Austin Strand a little more in the third
3: period the other night, and he hadn't played in almost two months. And so he technically would have entered that
4: game as the seventh defenseman. What did you think of his game? I can't, uh, can't say enough great things about Strandy. I mean, uh, the work, obviously, no one, everyone wants to play. No one wants to sit and the work that he's put in away from that, that no one will see except for us and his teammates is, uh, is, is really special. He, he's here. one of the first guys here, he's working out, he's doing extra skates uh, with us after, and and he's stayed ready for that moment. And um, again, as the game went on, I felt him get more and more comfortable in the game, started executing some more box outs and getting us out of the zone. And, uh, you know, that's a big frame and he, and the experience that he has. So, I mean, uh, to, to see him obviously after the game and, you know, a huge win and to see how the teammates embraced him And, you know, even the other guys that aren't playing right now, like it's, it's important. Those guys are important in the playoffs and uh, you know, it's a credit, real credit to him that uh, he came in and played as great as he did and as solid as he did. And uh, hopefully we can keep that going. So your group of D have been very steady
5: and you rely on, you know, some offense from Lawrence pilot and Ciccone's had some offense and, you know, So you've been able to create that, but obviously there is some high-end forward, as you pointed out, some really talented players. So is the key for your group of defense to just get the puck in the forward's hand and say, get it to them as soon as possible? Or do you kind of find a way for your defenseman to have that impact and and try to press that offense from the back end as much as you can?
4: I'll to tell as long as time, I think you just cracked the case of coaching hockey. <laughs> <laughs> hey defenseman's job is to, to end plays and start plays so uh you know obviously we want to get it in their hands but uh i mean i know you've watched games duffers obviously at all the games and and we want our d involved and uh obviously when you mention a guy like you know uh, lawrence pilot and prowse and and uh you know cheeks has really stepped up offensively and, and got us some and then we have a guy like uh davies who is uh Unbelievable skater and transporter of the puck. Uh, we we want our D involved, and especially in this series, our D when we even when we get into the Ozone, our D have to be in, uh, involved. You know, the Hershey's a man-on-man team. They're into us. They're 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 boxing you out. They're pushing guys away. So we need guys diving through to open up and create more space. And and um, you know, our D have done an excellent job of, of adjusting to that. But you know, when we're we're on a line rush, like we want our D up. And if you know interchangeable parts, I know you guys have heard uh, Abs talk about that a lot, but. We are interchangeable parts. If our D-man's ripping up the guts and he kicks out, he's expected to drive through and, and to hit his landmarks and, and push them back. And then we'll, we'll sort and we will figure it out from there. But uh, it's it's uh, it's it's been a real uh, advantage for us that we have the D we have, uh, how we've defended, and then how we've gotten out of the zone. And we're going to need more of that tonight. To the point of how you defend,
3: um, how much progress have you made throughout the year just in, and and I, I recognize that one would assume at this time of year there's that added level of desperation, but I, I I'm continually amazed by the shot blocks and not the necessarily throw your whole body in front of it shot blocks, but just the little extra effort to get a stick in the lane. That's what I'm noticing more and more and more right now. Like what what does it take to
4: get your group to that point, and and are you all noticing it too? Yeah, for sure. I think at this time of the year, it's it's a must. It's a it's a non-negotiable. If you say like um, yeah, but I I think obviously you start off, uh, you know, in training camp and you talk about it and you talk about the importance of those little extra efforts, those those one puck battles, those uh, you know shot blocks, and and it's just something that you keep beating on all year long. And then you get into the playoffs. You, you know what I mean? Like we talked about it at the beginning of the playoffs that we we don't have to change anything that we're doing. Uh, you, you know we're gonna make adjustments. We're gonna go game to game. We're gonna, you know, whatever it is. But that's what special about our group. And, and obviously Seth, how he how he manages us and, and manages the team, and we we stay the same. Like our, from our pre-scouts to our this to that. Like from what we attack. Like we've been preparing these guys all year. Like we've been preparing you for hard hockey, mm-hmm. and intense hockey all year. How how competitive we are at practice. How competitive we are at games. Like you, it's a, just a um, combination. Of all those little things, so again, those things get amplified in the playoffs. So trying to trying to stress to them, and uh you know, again, our our guys are are extremely fearless. They're tough. You know, you look at our lineup, and a lot of teams think they can push us around, and because of our size or this or that, and we've we've got uh, a team that you could be really proud of. We we play hard, and they take hits. They get up. They block shots. They do whatever it takes to get to the net. They're taking cross checks. They're we're you know it's a it's a really impressive group, and as a coach, you can't uh, you can't be happier.
5: Webby, you and I never played together. Uh, but when I played, I used to love talking to my D in games, um, in between periods, like when I was part of the meetings. How has Malcolm Subban been with the communication with your group of defense? And and look, he's been really good, Malcolm has, and a big part of where you guys are at, but how is that? communication and trying to figure out the best way to play together uh worked out for you guys.
4: Uh he Subs is one of the best human beings I've ever ever met in my life. Yeah, I I have, haven't seen him without a smile yet. Uh <laughs> because the kind of way he comes to the rank, the way he attacks thing um you know for me and Subs relationship, I show him obviously a lot of stuff what they're trying to do 5 on 5 in the offensive zone, what they're what they're looking for. Um obviously the whole team he'll come and talk to me after so he can know like you know, from series to series advantage, but this team, you know, they try to get stuff into that F3 pop from below the goal line a lot. So, you know what I mean? He, and then obviously Seamus, our, our, our goalie coach, like we, we set up drills for that, uh, whether it's on the power play, you know, they're, they're, they're looking to do this on the power play. Hey, we, I'm going to be able to get the guys to be predictable for you. And what we can take away, is there's something you're seeing, you know, like we, we have a great relationship like that back and forth Um in games, he comes in up, uh, you know, at TV timeouts, he's talking to guys, even for stuff that he's seeing that the other guy's doing, or, or, Hey, we got to tighten up here. We're getting too much. Like he's just, uh, he's an ultimate pro. He knows what's going. And obviously he, he's playing really well. And uh, again, we just, we need to keep the, the good vibes going. Um, Mike, this is more for down the road because obviously he's
3: not in at the moment, but Ryan Johnson has arrived recently. What do you see and, and perhaps project for this young man as far as his ability to play that position?
4: He's extremely athletic kid. Uh, he's he's uh, kind of Gumby like when he has the puck where he can slip and slide uh, through coverage, things like that. Again, it's it's uh, you know, it's obviously it's amazing that he signed and he's been here. It would have been nice to see him in a little bit more practice right now. We haven't had a ton of practices to, to get him involved in and get him up to speed that, that way. But he's, you know, in what we've seen and what I've gone over with video, uh, you know, he's a guy that can be a real transporter of the puck as well. And he defends hard. I think that people might have that knock that maybe he can't defend, you know, from all the video, from watching him in school and then talking to him here. Like, we, we know he can defend, and he's going to end plays in his own way. But, I, again, I think he's going to be a type of guy going forward that that can really shut plays down in the line rush against. He's going to be able to swing in and surf and, and end plays, cut hands, and then get us going north again. Uh, so it's exciting. You talk about some extra
5: guys. Obviously, Matt Savoy is an extra right now. You've got many others. Uh, What do you do to keep these guys light? And I'm only saying that because I told Duffer back in 98, 99, we had the colder cup, right? So the extra guys would play three on three. Even Brian McCutcheon was playing. John Cristiano was playing. The extra guys were playing. We had a full whiteboard with statistics and there was a full colder cup going on. So are you getting involved in some competitive uh, three on three with some of the extra guys? I was first
4: star today, so I first went to, okay. yeah, I went two and two, had a half clapper from the half wall, put a far side Had another, uh, you know, backside one timer. Um, I was, I was hot today, but yeah, we, you know, obviously we, we give them a little skate, get them their stuff. And then it, but it's, uh, you know, we've been playing a game that uh, Pex came up with, uh, you know, it's just basketball. So we move the nets up to inside the hash marks. So it's still, you could still use it all. The only rule you keep, still keep offside. So it just shrinks the zone a little bit, but it's a, uh, it's a fun game. And again, we're going for, you know, it's, it's, old school minute shifts and you blow the whistle and guys sprint on guys are sprinting off. So it's still competitive and gives the coaches a chance to get a little sweat for us old timers. But, uh, but uh, it, it it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and again, it keeps them engaged. They're, they're competing, but they're having fun. I mean, believe me, I have, I've had an, enough bag skates in my career that uh, can get a bit monotonous. Uh, you <laughs> know, and it, gets, it gets dragged out. And, you know, when Jeep, Jeep used to have me out there with the parachute, like I yeah. try not to bag guys like that anymore, but there is, they need still need to, <laughs> They still need to get uh, something to be ready to play. You know, Strandy's a great example. He comes in, he's ready to play. So, um, uh, but yeah. Are you getting
5: new uh, James James Patrick story from Matt Savoy? Did you guys share a bunch of stories yet?
4: We we've shared a few, but obviously, I think uh, now maybe Jeep is a head coach. He's a little he's a little (laughs) bit more quiet. He's not, but uh, but yeah, Jeep. Uh, Yeah, I've told some Jeep stories to Savvy, and he he just laughs because I think it's obviously times have changed, so he he hasn't seen much of that side of it. He looks the same, though. I saw him in Montreal
5: at the draft last year. Man, he still looks slim and trimmed, and James Patrick, the only guy to ever use the lap pool. They put this multi-thousand-dollar pool in the locker room, a lap pool, and Jeep was an assistant coach, and he was the only guy to ever use it, I believe.
4: The only, the only time I saw I used is when, uh, you know, Vanek was throwing Roisy's shoes in there. So <laughs>
5: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the only
4: time I saw it used.
3: <laughs> well, um, Michael, I'll hit you up for for one key for tonight right now, and then later on we'll obviously throw some in the broadcast on M- MSG tonight. But uh, what are you thinking at this moment as we're seven hours from puck drop?
4: Right now at this moment, I think it's just controlled emotions, but our competing love. Like we we talked about that last game, like it's it's pretty special what we've earned. We've earned the right to be playing hockey in June. Our, our group, uh, you know, just looking at the guy next to you, uh, how much he means to you, how much you want to go to war for him, the battle with him. And, um, you know, so compete, love, and then whatever it takes, Duffer. Absolutely. Whatever it takes. every shift, Every shift right to the end. Whatever it takes. Absolutely,
3: can't wait to see it tonight. Hopefully, we get uh, real close to a sellout. We're trending the right way, and uh, just need uh, Marty to, you know, hand out a few tickets when we go to the pep rally. And I think we'll ma- max out the place tonight. Uh, we'll see you tonight, Michael. Thanks so much.
4: Appreciate it, guys. Take care.
3: There's Amrick's assistant coach Mike Weber, and of course, the game tonight can be seen on MSG. You can hear it on the Odyssey app, and of course, on AHL TV. Don Stevens and myself will have the call on MSG, and Marty and I—yes, emphasis on Marty. We'll be at the playoff pregame pep rally at the Jenny Brewery this afternoon. Come down to the brew house, well, all afternoon, but specifically, and roughly, I would say, between 3 and 5. Marty and I will be there, and uh, we'll have giveaways. And this is a great opportunity to be spontaneous, Marty. You know, these are the challenging times for marketing departments. Well, less so for marketing, because winning is the ultimate marketer. Yes, So but selling tickets you know we're into that stratosphere of if necessary games Mm -hmm. and a week ago you don't know whether you're going to get into those games so people are naturally apprehensive and yet what we've seen the last couple of days since the game five win is obviously a great appetite and we're slowly building well over eight thousand as of this morning and I'm hopeful that by the time we get to the pep rally, we'll be at nine and a little bit more. So amherx.com slash ECF to pick up your tickets for tonight. Look, it's 85 degrees in the flower city today. <laughs> like it's just like the past weekend. Ample opportunity to just take a short afternoon from work and indulge in the experience tonight. I honestly, I have wait. actually
5: like, left Buffalo at 6 PM and got in right after like the first couple of minutes, right, mm-hmm. of the game, because by the time you have national anthems and everything, you have a seven ten puck drop. Like I've I've done it, where it's like, okay, we're leaving, we're going six. Get there at seven fifteen. You're mm-hmm. in the building at seven twenty five. I did miss three goals uh, in game <laughs> three against the Toronto Marlies. It was two one for Rochester. Five minutes in, I'm like, what just happened? But I got to see the rest of the game. It was awesome. So you can. Last minute, you can go, um, yeah. but you may not get any tickets last minute, so get them early. And it's a beautiful afternoon to just, as you pointed out, Duffer, take a half day, go to the Genesee Brew Pub, and just hang out there. Great patio. It's beautiful. And make your way over to the building. You know, Catch warm-up. Bring the energy up because mm-hmm. people don't well, realize Well, you know what's funny
3: it. about that, Marty, is because the last three home games have been sold yeah. out, it is so, So noticeable in the warm-up. Well, yeah. How many people are in their seats? And I mean, actually, it was really funny. The last, uh, one of the last games where I'm assuming it was the Memorial Day one. You know, we were in the broadcast booth and this would be an hour to an hour and a half before the game. And you could hear when they opened the doors and all of us, because you know how the building is Mm -hmm. set up. And so you're hearing to your left. The opening of the doors and the main atrium, and it was just let's go Amherst mm-hmm. like an hour to an hour and a half before the game. It was so cool. And by the way, the game that you came to and missed three right off the hop, you still saw nine more goals that game yeah. and eight eight, four Amherst wins. So yeah. so that turned out pretty well for you, also. But when you
5: talk about warm-up, it is so incredible to me that like we don't talk about it enough, but I remember showing up. To games in Rochester and in Buffalo when the fans are like we used to play Friday, eight o'clock games. And some fans didn't yeah. realize it was eight o'clock game. And they'd show up at seven thinking the game started. Yeah. And all of a sudden, 7:30 warm-up and the building's half full. And what a fun experience yes. that is for a player. You jump on the ice, you're skating around, you have a little bit more hop. You're like skip in, mm-hmm. there's fans, you're throwing pucks in the crowd. Like it is a uh I would say an um, all-mice advantage to have that buzz in the feeling for warm-up. And
3: think of the two most memorable fan experience nights that we've had in Saberland the last two years. RJ night, Ryan Miller night. Now, the timing of those ceremonies were both at different times. However, both required people to be in their seats early it 100% changed the dynamic of the evening, especially the Miller one, because oh, yeah. the warm-up <laughs> followed that. And it was like, wow. And it was crazy throughout the game. And then the game played out at a level that needed overtime. And it was just, you know, you felt it. It, it felt like a four- to five-hour experience there, which was which was pretty
5: amazing. I remember going to Henrik Lundqvist's jersey retirement right. and, and MSG, same thing. They did Pecorino, same thing. They did the the ceremony and then warm-up. And by the time you get to warm-up, there's... Nineteen thousand people in the building. Not not everybody is in their seat. A lot of people are back at the bar and having a couple of cocktails or whatnot. But but you still feel that energy, that buzz, and mm-hmm. that that's what we want tonight. Like come to the brew pub, go to the rink early. You know, six thirty warm up. Like bring the energy up. And
3: you will be in Rochester at what time today?
5: Probably three, two okay, thirty, good. three o'clock. All right.
3: Well, we got a tracking device on you, just just to make sure this time.
5: Well, wow. I mean, I'm gonna be done with this show at one, and then I am going to go get. I got to get dog food because if not, they're gonna yell at me. They're gonna bark at me. They're gonna bite me. <laughs> um, so I got to get dog food, drop it off, and then I'm up. Uh, and yeah. So, do you just, have your Life
3: Alert bracelet? Uh,
5: yes, and people don't make fun of me if you see me at the brew pub. I did twist my right ankle yesterday. Doing the simplest of chores. And you know when people say, you know, play hard, play the game hard because you could you could get hurt coming off the you know the sidewalk. Or, well, I was blowing the back patio yesterday and my gas blower is is broken. So I got this, you know, electric blower that you gotta plug into the wall, and the extension cord was stuck somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me, was stuck somewhere. So I was trying to pull the extension cord out of the bushes as I move forward and I took a bad step on a, on a, you know, uneven ground and I've twisted yeah. my right ankle I ended up down on the ground with the extension cord and the blower over the top of me, like, oops, I've fallen and I can't get up. So yeah, I've got a little bit of a limp now and I got this ankle brace on to keep, uh, keep it steady, but yeah, don't make oh. fun of me.
3: Oh my gosh. Well, if we're sharing and oversharing like that, I mean, what an image you've just created for people. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
5: like a turtle stuck on their back. Like if a turtle is literally stuck on their back, and no that was, was me. No, no good turtle was there to nudge you over. On their no, back. there was no group of turtles to flip me over. And yeah, I'm like, and nobody was home. Like, I, I wish somebody would have been yeah. there to like, take a video and be like, dad, what's happening. Yeah. Right. No, nobody. was. Well,
3: know. you'll get a great kick out of this as I overshare with you. So I had an annual, uh, uh, doctor's appointment this morning. So, <laughs> and you know, many of the things that are wrong with me. So I found a great irony in the guests that we had today, because the recommendation from the doctor this morning was that I consider getting an increase in testosterone. Oh. And so we had Webby to start the show. I'm like, this is all I need.
5: Yeah. It would have been good if we had had like Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas uh, with their uh, their commercial that runs in quite often. <laughs> Uh, the big hurt,
3: the big hurt. That was uh, you, the big hurt yesterday. I was hurt. I,
5: I woke up this morning not knowing if I was going to be able to put my right foot down off the oh bed. Oh, my gosh. And it was okay. Then, sure as it goes, my one dog goes outside and sees people in the street and starts, like, barking. And I'm like, I can't chase you. Don't oh, run. My. Like, I'm yelling at my dog, like, because you see me, like, hobbling down the street again, chasing my dog. Oh, man. That's oh, brutal. But there, listen, we'll be all good for tonight. It will be all good for tonight.
3: This afternoon and tonight, yes, we will. Is there, um, is there, is there a Stanley Cup final happening soon? Is tomorrow it night,
5: Duffer, tomorrow night? For tomorrow night, I'll do. I'll tell you this.
3: I won't be I, there because I will. Let me let me do more promoting. Yet. Master marketing here. Oh yes. Let me do a quick changeover. Yes. Banditland tomorrow night. Let's sell some tickets. There's still a couple thousand available. Let's get Key Bank Center full and make sure it's as loud as it is orange. That's all I want. And, of course, I want you to get there two hours early to enjoy the party in the plaza. Tremendous music. Great atmosphere. And now it's right there in front of them. The Bandit's opportunity to get that elusive fifth championship Mm -hmm. ring and at the expense of the team that beat them last year the Colorado Mammoth it's a 7:30 game you can see it on the CW23 locally of course it's been available all year long on ESPN plus but we really want to see you pack key bank center to the Raptors,
5: and if you're in canada it's on tsn so and the uh, national lacrosse league have been in tsn a lot my kid was actually back in ottawa last week for his camp and he got to see the the two games uh on tsn right for the bandits Mm -hmm. on friday and sunday so um yes this is a big one saturday night um the energy and lacrosse games let me tell you this There is an energy at hockey games. There's an energy at football games, at whatever events, right? At the Bisons. Yesterday, they had their kids. They had the ballpark. All the classrooms were there. It was packed. It was fun. I have a funny story from that. But there's nothing like the energy of a lacrosse game. I am telling, especially in bandit land and when they played the Toronto rock in the playoffs and I had rocks fans next to me and they're like, we've never seen an an experience like this. They were chanting bandit songs and learning to dance and all of that. Right. The box says, says the thing, to the box, to the box. Yeah. Yeah. They were because they're like, this is crazy. Like we turned them into, well, not bandits fans, but they, they, they joined in the experience.
3: So yesterday, it was uh, Kids Day, um, you know, basically like field trip day yeah. for all the schools at the end of the year, right? So the gates open at 9.30 for the Bisons. Like, think of that, right?
0: Yeah. So my
3: daughter is working for the Bisons this year, and um it was quite an experience. I said, hey, what was the decibel level like? <laughs> because it's the one thing, like, you could be on the outside of the park on Kids Days, and, like, people aren't just watching a ball game. The conversation level is up here. They don't even know it, right? Everybody's just talking over one another. And she was like, oh, my God, Dad, there's no chill. Like, there's no chill. You know what they do,
5: which is awesome, is like the math teachers will say, okay, for the first three innings – count the strikes and the balls and then the ratio of strike to balls or strike to pitches or whatnot, they do that. And then the weird thing is usually by the sixth or seventh inning, they all have to leave. So you have a full house for the first two thirds of the game. And then there's nobody for inning seven, eight, nine, because everybody's got to go back to their buses exactly to get
3: back to the school for closing time yeah, yeah it's crazy but
5: i've been there i've had a lot of fun my daughter actually what? caught a foul ball the one time oh. on on kids day she had a foul ball on kids day i never uh, did i went to expos game bandits game jays games uh, i've gone to dodgers games yankee games whatever never caught a, a fall ball
3: you're no rob ray and that was a home or
5: Owen power
3: or Owen power or the bruin former capitol
5: Garnet Hadaway, who Garnett, caught a fall ball at Freeway uh, Park just yes. said the other day.
3: Yes. Well, the one thing that uh, my daughter also said was, so we live in a cashless world in a lot of places, right? Like there are many stadiums, including yeah. KeyBank, where it's card only, right? It's all Apple Pay, whatever. Well, that's not the case there. So she is, you can imagine this, handling money from children oh. on a ridiculously hot day. Every dollar bill she was handed was sweaty and wet and crumpled, Crumpled. and it never stopped for hours. (laughs) It's like in a sock. You
5: put your cash in a sock, and then you're pulling it out of your sock, and there you go.
3: (laughs) It was like the clearest visual imaginable, and I'm like, hey, you live to tell about it, so that's a good day at the office, and uh, obviously, yeah, enjoy the Bisons too while they're home because this is a terrific run of weather we've got here to start. The month of June. It's Amherst tonight. It's Stanley Cup tomorrow. It's our absolute favorite guest, Shayna Goldman from The Athletic, next here on Sabres Live.
1: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.
3: We're back with more of Sabers Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. You know the big voice always says we're back with more. It should actually be we're back with the most, because that's <laughs> what Fridays present. Shana Goldman from The Athletic. Hi, Shana. How are you?
6: I'm great. How are you?
3: Oh, uh, I'm I'm sitting here in disbelief that there's actually a game one of the Stanley Cup final about to happen within like 29 hours or something to that effect. Uh, are you still excited about this? And what is now your singular most important? storyline of this vegas florida final
6: i'm i'm excited about this i think it's been weird not having hockey for a couple days and it's it's like such like a little shock to the system like our routines are so different i think once it starts we're all going to remember what we were so pumped about when we saw this was going to be the series um the prediction for the most important storyline. I'm going to say this series, it's not going to be as focused on goaltending. It's going to be about the goal support that the goaltending gets. I think that's what it's going to be all about. It's the counterattacks that you're going to see on both sides of it, and who can kind of pressure their opponent more instead of it just
5: being goaltending saving the day. Okay, let me ask you this then. Um, By looking at the strength of the Vegas Golden Knights and the strength of the Florida Panthers, what is the rest of the league going to try to copy are they going to try to copy Florida or are they going to try to copy Vegas and how they played their game?
6: I think that they're going to try to copy the fact that you need to be more well-rounded. I think that they're going to try to copy the aggressive four-checks we see, even though the rush-based game is like both of their strengths and the four-checking is just the element they added. We saw the Panthers add that throughout the year and the postseason. The Golden Knights, it feels like this postseason, they've gotten just very good off the four-check, which... They were okay before. So I think that's the element. But I think the big takeaway is going to be going for those big trades. I think that's what everyone is going to try to learn. It shouldn't be such a radical concept to have big, massive trades with superstars involved. But in hockey, apparently it is. And to be the gutsy one to go for the big player, the Mark Stone, the Matthew Kachuks. I wonder if that's what we start seeing general managers take and go. Maybe we should make those trades. Maybe we should try to get one of the best players in the league on our team.
3: You could say Jack Eichel, too yeah, do we want to add well, Barbashev well, to that that's the Barbashev
6: and Mark Stone and Jack Eichel Barbashev
3: is the next <laughs> one here to talk about though because it's a trade deadline pick and some people really loved it and some weren't sure if Barbashev had just fallen off of the career year and whether he could get it back but he's clearly a good player so I, I think you're on to something here bringing up Barbashev <laughs> because you know Obviously, players like this have to be available at the deadline, but it seems like this might turn out to be the pickup of the deadline based on how Vegas has gone, right?
6: And it's the uncharacteristic pickup for Vegas based on what they've done so far. Instead of going for the big name, and yes, they were involved in Timo Meyer talks, they were involved in Patrick Kane talks. They go for Barbashev, who was the utility player that easily could have been overpaid for. We see general managers do it all the time. They throw so much at players who, at best, are going to be, you know, a third, fourth line guy. But with Barbashev, the strength is the versatility. He could play center. He could play wing. He's good at forechecking. You know, he can add a little bit of bite to his game. And playing on that first line, the interesting part of it was in the regular season, their underlying numbers were bad. Everything would tell you to break up March. So and Eichel, the results were outperforming their underlying metrics. And generally speaking, the results will start regressing back to it. And come the postseason, they flip the script. All of a sudden, they're the ones that are thriving below the surface. And now the results are keeping pace with that.
5: Jayna, I always loved starting a series on the road, although I always wanted game seven to be at home. So I can't have both, right? (laughs) And That's the problem. I wish they redesigned the way a seven-game series worked, but anyway. But then I did a little research. The last 10 Stanley Cup finals that were not in the bubble, right? Okay. The home team won game one eight out of ten times. And the team that won... Game one also won the series eight out of 10 times. Now there's a couple of those that didn't match, but so what do you think is better? Like I want, I would want to start on the road, but obviously the stats don't show that. So is game one for Vegas at home, a win and you're good, you're in, or is this going to be a series of back and forth? Um, I think the thing is most years that
6: would be true. You need that first win at home. This year, I don't think it matters as much because we saw it in round one, right? It was two out of eight series, right? The home team was winning to start. It was such an odd one. And I think the thing is when teams are on the road, they can play a little bit looser, you know you you're spending all this time together on the road some some teams want to replicate that at home right like having players stay in hotels and trying to get it didn't keep work that. for Toronto <laughs> when they came
5: back from uh, Florida they went to the hotel they still lost but that's okay
6: i like how we got this back to how does this affect beliefs because it always does like i need this like once or twice a day <laughs> but i think in i think in this series It's going to be a little more crushing for Vegas if they lose game one, because Florida has that tenacity that if Vegas can set the tone in the series a little bit differently, I think that'll help them because Florida's been on such a tear since that underdog mentality that they had to have in round one. Since then, they've been the one setting the tone. They've been the one setting the pace. I think it's going to be a little bit more important for Vegas to kind of stop that early and just be the one to take charge.
3: Now, yeah, keep in mind that we have talked so much about road team success in this postseason that we are actually now guaranteed, even with a seven game series, that the road team will have won more than the home team in this yes. year's Stanley Cup playoffs. That, that That is quite, uh, quite a testament to just everything you're talking about. Uh, before we veer off the Stanley Cup final page, let me ask you, which player? Do you really, really, really want to see hoist the cup the most?
6: I'm um, ooh, that's a tough one. I, I would love to see Matthew Kachuk do it and just kind of like complete this year and a guy like Barkov do it, but I have to say it's Mark Stone. Mark Stone's one of my favorite players in the league. The mm. I love watching him play, especially like when he's at the height of his game. And I don't think we've even seen him do that this postseason, where he's just constantly picking pucks off opponents and making life difficult. But it's the energy he brings when he scores a goal or his teammates score. It's it's like it hypes up everybody. Everyone loves how expressive Mark Stone is that I need to see that man cheering with the Stanley Cup over his head because if, if he celebrates like that for goals, now here's the ultimate goal. The Stanley Cup, what are we going to see from him there? Like, I, I want to
5: see that. Marty, so me- who's your guy? For me, it's Jonathan Marchessault. Why, number one, he's a fantastic guy. I love the guy. But two is because he's gone around to so many different organizations in the NHL, Columbus, Tampa, Florida, and he was one of the original misfits going to Vegas. I remember when I was with the Rangers, Jonathan Marchessault was with Hartford. And I'm like, how does this guy go through so many different organizations, always been pushed aside, and now be one of the best player on the team, right? So I want to see yeah. Jonathan Marsh is so lifted up.
6: A little but computer for... boy pick right there with Jonathan march So we got him and Verhagen on each side. Yep.
3: And I'm a Will Carrier supporter. Yes. So that uh that is the uh, obvious choice for me. Although Brandon Montour would be pretty cool also. All right. Marty, why don't you uh steer okay. Shayna directly <laughs> into the path of the Maple Leafs because obviously No no they're... no I'm
5: going somewhere else first. Oh I, want oh, Shana. I want Angry Shayna. I want Angry Shayna to join the show. <laughs> And so, Shayna, I said on this show that when you hear the name Peter Laviolette being associated with the New York Rangers, your hair must be turning red, like flaming red. <laughs> like there must be angry Shayna coming out of it. You know, just like I I almost want to text Chris Drury and be like, what are you doing? No, don't go there. <laughs> like, I, tell me, tell me. I'm like, i I I'm reasonable to think that Peter Laviolette in New York would not be a good fit. You're reasonable. Like I don't, I wish I cared more. Like I used to,
6: you know, like I, I like years ago would have been like freaking out over this. And then like, I just completely stopped caring and then restarted again. Once I stopped writing about them and I'm like, okay, I can enjoy this again. And now I just kind of roll my eyes at it. Cause I'm like, I know this is, this is what's going to happen. I know the same coaches are going to get jobs over and over again and for this specific one, I'm just like, why? Like, what, what here do you see fits what the team needs? Like, they need an offensive coach. They need someone who's going to help maximize the star players and help bring the young talent along, which they need to do already at this point. And I don't see that in L'Aviolette, And I don't see that in Hines either, who no. feels like it's yep. like in contention too. Hines, you know, it feels a little bit more like a defensive system. He runs it. It doesn't work. My big question is... How much say will management have in the assistant coach pickups versus the coaches? Because I don't think either one should bring any of their assistants along that they've worked with to this point. I think we've seen with like the devils, how just changing the assistants and allowing the head coach to be the bench manager can be a huge difference maker. And I wonder if that would help here, if you can really find good tacticians, but it just feels like it's going to be the same old thing and it'll last a couple of years. And then you're back to square one.
3: I can see that. Although, as Marty and I spoke of, Peter has had a great track record of immediate success with his new teams. So maybe within that two-year window, it would be all that the Rangers need. But
5: (laughs) And uh, because Duffer won't talk about Maple Leafs because he... Oh, did you notice that? He doesn't want to bring up the Maple Leafs. Um, I'll bring it up. I said... That I probably would put the odds at plus 5,000 to have Sheldon Keefe, Matthews, Tavares, Nylander, and Marner returning next year. Although Brett Three Living said, I come in, I don't want to just go in and change everything. But where do you see his um, maybe priority list as the GM of the Toronto Maple Police when it comes to the core four and his coach?
6: The coaching one is the odd one because. If you had to ask me at any point last season or this past season, I should say, is it going to be Dubas or Keith staying? I would tell you every day of the week it's going to be Dubas over Keith. I thought part of the problem with Dubas that they'd have is that he's too loyal to his guys that he won't get rid of them and that being Keith. Um, and it's not to say that Keith is a bad coach, I just don't know if he's a perfect fit there, but they're going to have to have a new assistant come in to work the offense, so we'll yeah. see how that goes and if they bring in someone who's essentially like the coach in waiting, like who's mm-hmm. to say what they go, you know, do there. But step one for him is definitely going to be figuring out what to do with this core. And if he's and figuring out if he's someone that can follow the cap strategy that the Leafs have had before, because if not, he has to move a core four player, right? The Dubas made it that their stars are paid very, very, very highly. And everyone else can come in at those like replacement level contracts, which makes sense for team building for a ton of ways, but that's not how he's operated. So can he kept keep finding those low value players, the yarn Crocs, the buntings, you know the Ashton Reeses that you don't have to spend a ton of money in your bottom six that you can just keep paying your stars. I just don't know if he has that in them. It feels different from everything he's done to this point.
3: So who has more success immediately this coming season, Toronto or Pittsburgh?
6: Ooh, that's a tough one. It's hard because we don't know who's going to be general manager of the of the uh, the Penguins. Yeah, you know that's does, the it, wild. does it matter? <laughs> it should. <laughs> <laughs> it really should because I think with Pittsburgh, there's potential there if you can play your cards right. But you do have to decide how much the priority is now versus the future, and if it's a balancing act. I think that Toronto has more regular season success, mm-hmm. but who has longer success than that? That's the big question because the Maple Leafs can have regular regular season success every year, and it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're still trapped in their goaltending situation. They have Murray for another year. So they have to figure out what to do with that or who to pay to take that contract. Like it's not going to be easy for them either.
5: Okay. Well, I'll ask it this way. Who is the team more likely that the Buffalo Sabres will catch next year in the standings Pittsburgh or Toronto Pittsburgh. Okay. Well, then, I think they're going to be the the season team. And there's your answer. You think Toronto's going to have better success in the regular season next year because the yeah. Sabres will catch the Pittsburgh Penguins. But so. see, for
6: the, but saying the Leafs are going to have regular season success, we, we have to look at that and literally say, who cares? Because it's, you have to <laughs> yeah, okay. show
5: up when it matters. That's, I'll that's say it cares because
3: I just want regular season success. I want to be one of the top eight. That's all I want. So
5: anyway. that's right. Get yeah. to the playoffs. That's yeah. all that matters. Yeah.
3: Um, do you think there will be a transaction? between Pittsburgh
6: and Toronto? Mm, No, I think that Toronto is going to be way too petty about that. And it's, you know, it's (laughs) funny too because now we're hearing about how Shanahan got involved in decisions that Dubas did or didn't get to make that I can't, I feel like with tree living, it's different because he definitely fits the hockey man variety a lot more. So that's kind of like the let's be hands off. You're not going to give this person the job and I don't think he'll take it if he's constantly going to have to like answer to someone else. Mm -hmm. But I could see the pettiness of being like, don't try to help them.
5: Okay. okay. Is Jason Spezza going to follow little K, as you pointed out in your tweet, Cal <laughs> Dubas to uh, Pittsburgh? Cause like that was Cal Dubas' guy, right? Like Jason yeah. Spezza yeah. came in and then as soon as Dubas was out, Spezza handed his resignation. So mm-hmm. is Spezza going to join and maybe be the GM with Cal Dubas be the, the guy on top? Ooh,
6: you know what? Wow. If, if if Spetsa follows, because the the Senators are the big wild card here, right? Who becomes mm. the owner? How do things shake out? Yeah. Because I could see him returning there, too. Yeah. But if if he goes to Pittsburgh, I feel like then he's really going to solidify himself to, like, the Eric to Little K's Jenny from Gossip Girl. And we love that little partnership. So I'm a fan there.
3: <laughs> all right. We're tight for time. Shayna, enjoy the weekend. We will see you next week. Little enjoy K. the Stanley Cup Finals, all right? Thanks for having me. Back after this on Saber's Live.
2: Back with more of
3: Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. I give you two websites as we have two minutes left in the show. Amerx.com slash ECF. Get your tickets now to make sure Blue Cross Arena is full tonight. And, of course, bandits.com slash tickets, because we want KeyBank Center full tomorrow night for Game 3, the final game of the NLL Championship as the Bandits look to avenge last year's loss to the Mammoth. How are you feeling, Marty, about all this drama that we have in our local sporting world this weekend?
5: I feel like I want wins. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. That's what I want to play in my car driving back from Rochester. I want to play it tomorrow night. That's what I want. I want wins.
3: All right. You'll be in attendance in Rochester tonight.
5: Mm -hmm.
3: What about tomorrow?
5: Um there's a slight chance I may be in Philadelphia tomorrow just because my girls have a horse show over there and I'm thinking I'm taking the day to go and see them as uh-huh. I will be in Nashville when they're in Syracuse for a horse show so I've got to find time to go and visit them and see them show.
3: Um you know unless I blacked out completely here it's possible did we ever talk about your daughter seeing Taylor Swift?
5: No, we haven't. Um, I believe you were not on the show the the day that you were traveling. So she went. She loved it. She said it was the best night of her life. (sighs) And she has not stopped listening to Taylor Swift's music, her and her two sisters, for the last two weeks. Uh. Um, She actually wore a Taylor Swift T-shirt that she got at school yesterday. Um, Yes. So it was uh, pretty memorable. She had never been to a concert in her life and mm-hmm. in the last two months she went to three she went to Blake Shelton in Buffalo she went to Kenny Chesney in uh, in Massachusetts and Taylor Swift three pretty good concerts I'd say
3: I'm so glad you told me that because I still to this day when a fan comes up and talks about a Sabre moment that said it was the best night of my life like it just it oh, yeah. hits you in all the fields enjoy this weekend folks can't wait to see you in Rochester and Banditland